If you have your copy of the scripture, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 3, and uh, we're only going to read verses 1 to 9, but we're going to work our way through uh, all of chapter 3 as part of our our series here on the the book of Ruth. And uh, so I hope that uh, you'll read along. We'll read in just a a few moments. So Ruth chapter 3, I'll give you a few moments to turn there. It's a tiny little book in the Old Testament, but uh, some great stuff in there. Now, for those of you who are just joining us on this series on the book of Ruth, uh, you may know or you may not know that Ruth is uh, not like many of the books in the Bible. Now, there are great books, obviously, in, in the Bible of, of wisdom. Uh, I know there's, uh, there's great stuff like in Proverbs, uh, where it says it's, um, you're better to live in the corner of a rooftop than with a, an angry woman in a big house. Uh, that's a lot of wisdom, isn't it? That's in, in Proverbs. Uh, but there's also a lot of wisdom in in Proverbs, like, um, we can trust in the Lord and all His strength, uh, not rely on our own stuff, uh, and um, a- acknowledge Him, and He will direct our paths. Uh, a lot of great wisdom in the Old Testament. There's great uh, passages in the Bible in uh, the New Testament, like the Gospels, telling us about uh, who Jesus is and the miracles He's done. There's great um, words of advice through the letters of the missionary Paul, Uh, Like in Thessalonians, it says, pray without ceasing, and uh, the fact that we can trust God in all things. But Ruth is a bit of a different book. It's a bit of a different story, and some of you have been taking this book, and you've been reading through it over the last few weeks. It's only four small chapters, so I encourage you, go home and read it. It's a great story, but not uh, not like a lot of uh, these other uh, passages in the Bible. Ruth is a love story. In fact, it's a love story... Not unlike you might see on the movies today. It has drama in it. It has, um, there is, uh, there's death and there's loss. There are times of joy and there are times of suffering and sorrow. Uh, This is a love story of not only uh, this man named Boaz and Ruth, but a love story of God's love toward us. And I want to encourage you to take time to read it. For Ruth talks about the faithfulness and the care, the provision and grace of God in the midst of everyday life. That's why Ruth is so important for us to read. In fact, all of the Bible is so important for us to read. And I want to encourage you, as I have many times here, take your Bible out and read it every single day. If you don't have a Bible, let me know and we'll get you one because it's so important that you read it every day. Ruth is one of those important books because it talks about everyday life. That God is there through the joys, the challenges, but also in times of love and times of loss. And so, so far in our story, we've seen this lady named Naomi who has lost both her husband and both of her sons in death. That's huge. We see her daughter-in-law, Ruth, who makes a decision to no longer follow her many gods in her area, Moab, but to leave and to go with Naomi, her mother-in-law, to a place called Bethlehem where she had heard of God's blessing. And last week, uh, we discovered that even though they made it back to Bethlehem, this time of bountiful blessing for her people, Ruth and Naomi weren't uh, out of the woods yet. They were still struggling. In fact, they weren't even servants there. They were lower than the servants. They were begging for their existence, begging for food behind the servants, hoping that they might leave a little bit of grain for them to survive. 
And last week we introduced a man named Boaz to the story who we find out is um, their guardian redeemer, something that Ruth mentions, I think, 21 times in this book. It's a major theme of the guardian redeemer, which is part of their culture and tradition where if a husband dies, then a man and his family will take on his land and his possessions, uh, his wives, his family, to make sure that everyone is cared for. Boaz is part of the family and has a responsibility to take care of them and provide for them. But we'll hear a bit more of that story in today. But today we want to watch as Naomi has a, a plan for her daughter-in-law, Ruth. She plans for Ruth to marry Boaz. And so she pushes them in that direction. And we also see, uh, we will watch as Boaz uh, fights temptations in order to honor God. So look with me in uh, Ruth chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. Ruth chapter 3, beginning verse 1, says, One day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. So wash, put on perfume, get dressed in your best clothes, then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know that you are there until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place that he's lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and she did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Then Boaz had finished eating, sorry, when Boaz had finished eating and drinking, he was in good spirits. He went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached him quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man and he turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I'm your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are my guardian redeemer, sorry, the guardian redeemer of our family. Let me just lead us in prayer. Dear Heavenly God, I thank you and I praise you for the precious gift of your word. And Lord, we thank you that, that all of it is relevant for us today. And so Lord, we pray that uh, we take time to work our way through uh, this story of Ruth. And Lord, that you teach us your ways. Help us, Lord, to know who you are and that you are a God of strength and provision and you are a God that we can trust in all the areas of our life. Help us, Lord, to seek you. Speak to us your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I don't know how many of you read that part of the story, but as you read that story, you might go, wait a sec, he is reading from the Bible, right? Because... I did tell you that Ruth isn't like your typical Bible story. It's not like your typical book that you might read. In fact, it's like one of those books that we kind of sometimes pretend isn't part of the Bible. You know, like Leviticus. Who spends time reading Leviticus? It's, it's, it's challenging. Isn't it? There's all sorts of these weird cultural rules and regulations teaching the people how they should survive that don't seem relevant for us today. And it's difficult for us to understand. Or like the book of Revelation which is full of allegory, which is beautiful imagery, but can be confusing for us sometimes. So we, we often don't preach on it or don't read that in our own devotion times. Or like Song of Solomon, which is a beautiful story of the deep love of a husband for a bride, but can sometimes make people blush or feel uncomfortable. 
uh, as they, they read that uh, in church or in their, their small groups. And so sometimes we, we try to act like some of these books aren't really there. And Ruth's one of those small books, so it's easy to kind of overlook. Uh, but this is a beautiful story. And so it's worth us getting into. In fact, this is just real life stuff. It's stuff that people in our community may face all the time. Temptations and challenge and people seeking to do the right thing. And so here, yes, we have Naomi who tells her daughter-in-law to sneak in while Boaz is asleep and lay in his bed. And then she says, he'll tell you what to do from there. Now, Boaz is a stranger to Ruth. She has seen him, but she doesn't know him. He's a stranger. He's from a different culture. She's from a different land. She's from Moab. He's from Bethlehem. She's just moved there. He worships a different God. He's from a different culture. He's a stranger, and he's a much older man. And yet Ruth responds to Naomi, unlike many of us, I think, would today. She immediately says to her mother-in-law, I'll do whatever you ask. Now, I don't know about uh, some of you ladies out there, but I think if you're your mother-in-law, your husband's died, and your mother-in-law says, I want you tonight to sneak over to a guy's house here. And while he's asleep, don't let him know you're there, but while he's asleep, sneak in and lay in his bed. I don't know too many of you would just go, that's a good idea. All right, I'll do whatever you ask. And especially if this is a stranger, someone from a different culture, and someone who's, who's an old man compared to you. You, most of you probably, I hope, wouldn't just kind of go, you know what, that makes no sense to me, but I'll just do it. But, but Ruth honors Naomi by following her thing. Now, there's a lot of cultural stuff that we may need to understand in order to understand some of Ruth's response. And we have to be careful not to read too much into the story. Now, we, we do know that... Ruth is challenged by Naomi to go and to present herself to, uh, to Boaz as an opportunity to be his wife. But we have to just be careful not to read too much into the, the context of the Scripture itself. Now, um, it does say in, uh, in verse 3, Naomi tells her, go and clean yourself up. Put on your best clothes, put on your hair and makeup, put on some perfume, and then go into Boaz. And so... In a way, this, this could be read as, I want you to go and try to entice him. But it, it is also, in, in its cultural understanding, Ruth would have been in a time of mourning after the loss of her husband. And unlike our Western culture, a lot of the Eastern cultures, they don't let these things go easily. I, I don't mean to say we just move on and get over But we often have a few days of public mourning or, or grief after a grief and loss. And then as far as the whole society is concerned, we almost forget like we forget anything happened. And unfortunately, we move on, which is, I think, uh, is sad and it's disgraceful because the person never moves on, do they? They're still hurting and, and experience that loss. But in Ruth's culture, they could experience week, weeks, months, years and years of mourning 
and, and grieving the loss of her husband. And so by the way Ruth would have presented herself, by the way she would have dressed, it would have shown the world she's still grieving the loss of her husband. And she's not ready to marry. She's not ready to move on. And so Naomi, what she's telling Ruth to do is she's saying, look, it's time. Your husband is gone. And it's time that you seek someone who's going to provide for you, who's going to care for you. You're your guardian redeemer. And so take off those clothes that say you're grieving and mourning. Take off the, the clothes of, of death and loss and brighten up and put on some, some color. Put on your best that says, I'm, I'm available. Get yourself out there again. It's time to kind of step out and to, to trust God to provide someone for you. And then she says in verse 4, go to Boaz's bed, go to where he's lying, and uh, uncover his feet and lie down there, and then he'll tell you what to do. Now, I don't know how much study you've been doing over the last uh, few weeks, but if you look at different commentaries on uh, Ruth, or you do much study of Ruth or the Old Testament, uh, you may or may not know that um, the, uh, the word feet in the Old Testament is often used as, as a euphemism for, for other parts of the body that they didn't talk about, uh, the private parts that uh, they didn't mention. And so if you were to read Ruth like that, it uh, adds a whole different uh, level or uh, dimension to the story. And I say we have to be careful because the Word of God itself doesn't do that in this context. That may have been what it's implying, it may not have. But in the Hebrew Scripture, as this was originally written, it actually says that Ruth is to go and to uncover the place where his feet would be. And so this is simply to, to lie down at the foot of his bed. And so whatever the way that you read this passage is, we know that Ruth was asked to put herself in a very vulnerable position. She's asked to go into the stranger's place, or go to where he is lying, pull back the blankets where his feet would be, make herself comfortable there, and to lie in the bed with this stranger, making it clear that she was no longer mourning her husband and is ready to move on. And so... That leads us to Boaz and his response to this. Now, we've, we've spoken in the last few weeks about uh, some of uh, Ruth, some of Naomi's faith in, in trusting God to provide for them back in Bethlehem. We've talked about some of uh, Ruth's faithfulness to Naomi and her faithfulness to God in trusting that um, Naomi's God will now be her God and he, she will trust in Him, provide. And we've seen how He's done that in small ways, and though everything's not fallen together for them as it is not just all fall into place there's still been challenges along the way but now we want to talk a little bit about boaz because boaz is put in an interesting spot here that few of us want to to visit or to talk about because he's put in a place of temptation he's put in a place where he has to choose should he do the right thing or should he do the wrong thing should he do what everyone says is acceptable and is easy or should he make a stand for his God? Do you ever find it hard to follow God? Do you ever find it tempting to, to go other ways? Do you think it's hard to honor God in your marriage? 
Do you think it's hard to honor God in the way that you parent your children? Do you think it's hard to honor God in the church and to keep on keeping on with the church family? Well, if I'm honest, then I would have to say yes, yes, and yes. There are challenges sometimes along the way in our Christian journey. And, and no matter how close to God we get, there are some things that try to pull us back away from Him. There's some things that He may put in our path that looks like it's a good way, or it looks like it might be fine for a while, but leads to destruction, and it leads to hurt, and it leads to death. God offers life and hope and freedom, and yet so often we're torn. I think the Apostle Paul put it so well in, uh, in the New Testament writings when he said, the things I want to do, those are the things I don't, do, I, I don't end up doing, and the things I don't want to do, those are the things I find myself doing. He said, I, don't, I know what is right, and yet it's a constant struggle. And here we find Boaz right in this time. You know, it would be easy... It would be easy today to cheat on your spouse. I'm not suggesting that in any way. In fact, I'm saying just the opposite. But society recommends it. Society almost encourages it, doesn't it? We live in a society of people who, in your workplace, will just go, oh, mate, just just go out. Just go for her or or just go with him. Just have a good time. How's it going to hurt anyone? We live in a society who says what what she doesn't know or what he doesn't know isn't going to hurt him, is it? And it's just a time in in society in which it seems anything goes. And God asks us to stand in the midst of that and to stand strong in His Word and to be faithful. It would be easy today to be an absent father, to be an absent mother, wouldn't it? In fact, there are so many There are so many things, so many distractions that lead us away from where God has placed us as a father or as a mother. There's always some place you can be. There's always the fact that you have to say, I'm going to put that aside and I'm going to be there. We have to make that commitment, don't we? We have to make that effort. Lindy and I talk about how busy we are and how crazy our schedule is. And no one wants to hear it. They just go, it's your own fault for having six kids. What were you thinking? Of course you're going to be everywhere. And so we're driving people to, our older kids to work and giving driving lessons for, for our oldest one while we're going home and changing nappies and you know, staying up all night with, uh, with, with Zeph and then spending time with the others in between, going to dance things and whatever, basketball. And it seems like every day Lindy and I are going, right, okay, if you go here, then I'll go here, and then we'll meet here, and then at some point we might actually see each other, and uh, we can have some quick dinner, and then we're back over here, and you're at church and doing that, whatever. But we have to make sure we make a commitment to being there for our family because it's so important. God has called us to our marriage as a ministry. God has called us to our family as a ministry, and there's so many distractions to go elsewhere. It will be so easy to give up on the church. It'd be so easy to move on and decide to find another church family when all of a sudden I'm not getting my way or all of a sudden I'm not comfortable with the way things are going. God asks us 
to be faithful and to love one another, to stick it out and to keep on keeping on, to love each other, to learn to work together. Boaz here is suddenly faced with temptation. In fact, he wakes up, it says, suddenly in the middle of the night, and there's a woman lying in his bed. Not what he expected. Now, he could have his way with her. In fact, she's already given him permission to do that. But that's not what's right. So what does he do? She says, just go ahead and throw over your garment. You are my guardian redeemer. You're the one that has the right to me to be your wife. And so go ahead and do that. And what does he say? He says, wait. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Not the response you expect as you're reading the story and you you see how she's dressing up and she's going to entice him and she's laying next to him. And he wakes up and he goes, now just wait here. Because all of a sudden in the story enters an anonymous man. And there's another man mentioned here by Boaz that before Ruth didn't know anything about. Now verse 11 uh, goes on and says, Look, Ruth, you are known all around the community as a woman of integrity. You are known as a woman of good standing and noble character. And so she's doing, she's trying to do what is right according to their customs there in Bethlehem. She's trying to follow the traditions of their God that she doesn't understand. She's trying to do what's right by all people, by all things. And he said, I know that and I have great respect for you. In fact, he had respect for her before when she was standing in the field just waiting to ask his permission to glean the fields. Now he says, I have even greater respect for you. But... You're right to say I'm your guardian redeemer, but there's another who's even closer. Now, let me explain that a little bit. As I said, the guardian redeemer, according to the Hebrew tradition, was a plan set up so that the ladies and the children would always be looked after. Now, it didn't always work out that way. But the idea is if a husband dies or if a father dies, his closest male relative will take over the family. And so he will take on the land. He'll take on the possessions. He'll take... The, the animals, and he'll also take on uh, the wife or the, the daughters. The daughters he will raise until they find husbands to go and be with. Uh, the wife he will take as his wife, and he'll provide for her and care for her. The children he will raise as his children. They will take on his, his name, continue that, that family um, tradition. And it had to be the closest male relative. Now, Ruth has been told by Naomi... You can go to Boaz because he is your guardian redeemer. He's your family. And this is his rightful place to be your husband. But when she offers herself to him, Boaz says, look, we have to wait. Because you're right to say, I'm I'm family and I'm I'm your guardian redeemer and, and, and that's a place. But there's someone who's even closer to you. And he actually has that right place under God, under the traditions which God has set up. And so, what I want you to do, he said, stay and, and, and wait here for the night. But he said, I want to go and ask that person first. I'll ask that guy. And he said, but I guarantee, he said, if he doesn't want to take you as his wife, I will. Because I honor your integrity. I see that you are a person of noble character. So if he doesn't take you as his wife, then I will. And so 
Interesting Boaz's response here. He responds kind of in, in three different ways. First of all, he, um, he's controlled in uh, not giving over to temptation. He's honest with her in saying he could have said, you're right, I'm the kinsman redeemer, and take her as, as his wife. She was offering that. But he's honest with her, and he tells her about this kinsman redeemer who she knew nothing about that he would need to check with first and do the right thing. And then he cares for her uh, in allowing her to stay there for the night. Now, this not only provided physical protection for her, uh, but protection for her reputation. Uh, she stayed there during the night so she would be safe. She left there um, before, uh, in, in the early morning before others were awake so that they wouldn't know that she was there with him. And then he spoke to... Uh, uh, in the closing verses of Ruth chapter 3, he speaks to his servants who may have seen her and just said, you were to tell no one uh, that a woman was here last night. He looks in every way to seek to protect her. Now, Naomi was trying to honor God and do what was right by following these customs and traditions. Ruth was trying to follow God and take on uh, these sort of traditions and, and, and do what is right and present herself to Boaz. And Boaz here does what God says is right and honors these kinsman traditions. And God provides food and care and provisions for Naomi and Ruth through this all. Because as, um, as Ruth is leaving the next morning, Boaz says, yeah, come over here. And she opens up um, her garment, her, her outer cloak, and he puts... Um, these six things of, of barley in there. And so she, she bulks up a little bit while she's, she's there. And uh, she walks out much fatter than she, she was before. Uh, but she's carrying all of this, uh, this barley and stuff with her. And she goes back to Naomi. And, of course, Naomi, this is, um, this is the, the, the lady's goss part of it, I guess. Yeah? She, she comes back in after the night out with Boaz. And, and Naomi goes, so how'd it go? She couldn't wait to hear. I can just see Naomi's looking out the window, just waiting on her to come up. You know, how things go? Did the perfume work? Did the, the outfits work? Are we going to be provided for now? Did he take you on as his wife? And she says, no, but look at all this barley. Look at what I got. She said, no. He said, wait, because there's another. There's another that, that, that he's going to ask for first. And Naomi responds in the end here of, of chapter 3, she said, she goes, just wait. She goes, just wait here, my daughter, until you find out what will happen because the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Now, God provides again for Naomi and Ruth, not as they had expected. Naomi had a plan, didn't she? She had it all laid out so that they would have protection and they would be cared for according to their customs and traditions. Boaz recognizes there's someone else there and he stops and does the right thing and says, no, we need to honor God in this. So we need to wait. Let me fall, find out what's going on with this other guy. Let me see if he wants to take you as his wife. If he doesn't, if he doesn't want to be your guardian and redeemer, then I will. I will step in. You're one of noble character and I'll be honored to have you. And so once again, they're provided for, they have the food, and yet they wait to see how God is going to work all of this out. 
Now, this passage ends with this time of waiting. And I don't know about you, but I find sometimes it's challenging to wait on God. Because we like to go, well, Naomi's plan sounds pretty good. She'll just work it out and she'll, she'll get in there and she'll provide... Boaz will provide for us. We've got a plan on how we can stop being beggars and become family. And God says, wait. Wait. I've got this worked out for you. Just wait and keep doing the right thing. It's easy. It's easy to jump in when a temptation is right in front of us, isn't it? It's easy to jump in when something sounds enticing or it sounds like, hey, that might work. That plan might work. Maybe I can go that way. It's easy to jump at what is acceptable by the world's standards or by people that are work standards rather than doing what is right. But in this passage, God challenges us. God challenges us to wait. God challenges us to trust. And God challenges us to follow Him. And I want to leave you with this to say, this story, as I mentioned before, was about real life stuff. There's temptation there. Almost a bit of a scandalous kind of stuff. But there's temptation to follow God and there's temptation to follow the world. There's temptation to to just let go and, and just follow whatever seems right to us. And there's the need to stand strong on what God says is right. And you may be in a similar place in your life where God is saying, I want you to wait. I've got it worked out for you. Trust me. So often we get news of, and we go, I mean, Naomi and Ruth are beggars. They've gone beyond being provided for. They've gone beyond being servants. They're, they're beggars. They're living on the streets. Looking, living for scraps. Looking for scraps to survive. And if you've ever been in a situation like that, where financially you just go, I don't know how it's going to work out. We tend to not be very calm. We tend to, to stress and to worry and go, yeah, but I just need to do this. And I need to, I need to go out and get another job here. I need to look here and I need to do this. Maybe if I talk to this person, they'll work something out for me. And, and we... We scrounge and we scrap and we do whatever we can to try to make it on our own. And God may be saying to you, if you're in that situation, He's saying, just wait. Wait. I will care for you. I will lead you in how to do it. I will guide you in the right way. What we have to do as a church, what we have to do as a people of God is trust. Trust God to provide. Man, that's tough. Because we trust us to provide. We trust us to to pay the bills and to work it out with family. We trust us to make the decision on what's right in our relationships. God says, trust Him. Stop. Wait. Trust. I'll leave you with this. With that challenge to stop, wait, trust, is a promise that He will always provide. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He says, if we trust Him... If we just trust Him, He will provide for us to eat. He'll provide the clothes for us. He'll care for us and provide all that we need according to His riches and glory, which are immense, which are endless. 
He will provide always. He will be there every step of the way. He'll never leave us, never forsake us. He will come through as we trust Him. And so I want to challenge you as you're facing the temptations, don't fall for it. Stand strong in what God says is right. I want to challenge you when when you're facing that temptation to just go and try to take care of it all yourself. Take time and stop and wait on the Lord. He will provide. He will guide you. And rather than focusing on your challenges, rather than focusing on the temptations, all which can lead us away from God, I want to challenge you today, focus on God who loves you. He will provide for you. He will care for you. Our job as a church is to focus on Him, to trust in Him, not just in word, not just with the songs that we sing, but with our everyday lives, with real temptations, with real challenges, with real life situations. God asks us to wait. God asks us to trust. And God asks us to follow Him. Let me just lead us in a word of prayer. God, I thank You and I praise You for challenges like here in the story of Ruth. Challenges where they're trusting You to provide and it just doesn't seem like You're providing in the way that they had hoped or planned. And Lord, we know that so often Your plans don't match ours, but we also know that Your Word says Your ways are higher than ours. Your thoughts greater than ours. And we can trust You with every part of our life. Lord, we know that in today's society there are temptations all around Temptations that seek to destroy marriages. Temptations that seek to destroy the family unit. Temptations and drives all around us. We seem to try to build a wedge between us and you. Lord, help us as your people to not trust in how we see we can provide. To not trust in how the world says we can go. But to trust in you, our great God, who knows all and loves us completely. Lord, help us in whatever situations in our life today. Help us to trust you, to wait, to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.